Hello everybody, this is part two of D-Day, The Greatest Generation. And I had just mentioned about FDR and the fact that he fought his own body to make himself walk and appear strong in the eyes of the American public. And yet we have people today that will come up with every reason in the world not to work, to collect disability, to collect welfare, and no sense of what fortitude meant. Many Americans did not know FDR was paralyzed, that he had polio, because how he presented himself. That is the difference in our generations. People in that generation, during even the Great Depression, did without. They worked hard. Everything they did was a struggle, but they did it. And we cannot even imagine life without walking around with what, Nintendo Switch in your hand or something, whatever the kids have. It's insane. Kids play jacks. They, you know, stickball in the street. We have a nation now. People don't know if they're men or women. It's worse than that. They don't even know if they're, but they're multiple things. I mean, it's, it's insane. If you cannot see that this is Satan's world. But I want to go back to that generation. I believe they're one of the last generations that did fear God, that worshiped God. And not that God is found in a church house, because they don't believe that. As I said, my views are my own. I have, I, what I believe, I believe my own views. And I'm open about it. I'm a libertarian. I will speak my views. If you don't like them, don't listen to me. You want to discuss them with me, I'll discuss them with you. That's why I don't believe in the rapture lie. But, People had respect. If your child was acting out in the street, another parent might come out and discipline him. There was corporal punishment in the schools. Can you imagine? Now, if I mean, honestly, I've seen social services come out because little Johnny got hit with a baseball. Kids didn't wear helmets to ride bicycles. I mean, I, I'm sorry, my children. I mean, I refuse to play those games. There's something in me that, again, draws me to that. There's something about getting hurt. There's something about that risk. I'm sorry, there is. We have made our children into pansies. I'm sorry, boys and girls. Kids rode in the back of station wagons. I remember that, come on. If you even remember the 80s and 90s, back of pickup trucks, come on. People had guns. Remember um, Christmas Story, you'll shoot his eye out. I have Life magazines. I have all these publications that show kids seven, eight, nine years old out there shooting with their parents. Kids would go hunting. If they didn't, they didn't have food to eat. Yes, they went out on their own with a rifle and killed dinner. How do I know? I have the books to prove it.
That's why you have to study history. And you have to go back to it. You have to go back to it. You have to go back to it. And back and back and back and back and back. And that is when you learn the truth. Otherwise, you'll never learn the truth. That generation made food from scratch. They knew how to survive. How many of us, I talk about that, could do that on our own? How many of us could survive? World War II, people think was cut and dry. You have to understand, after World War I, the American people did not want another war. And we set up ourselves for World War II. I hate to say it. And World War II was really a continuation of World War I. And I honestly think World War I is one of the most forgotten conflicts. And I'll be honest, I don't even know that much about it. I never studied in school. I never learned that much about it. I regret it. I really do. But I will say this. Those kids knew how to write. You know, sometimes I forget how to write. I text so much. I forget how to write. And their penmanship was beautiful. Can we say that? Kids stayed out at night, so you know, playing outside. There was a sense of community. And then, as I always say, something happened, and it happened around the Vietnam era. And that goes back to my own spiritual views. Many people don't remember World War II as far as even battles anymore. If you ask people... You know, even Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm not kidding. There are high school kids I don't know what you're talking about. Ask them. Ask them. It is absolutely amazing. I talk about here in Columbia, you know, Doolittle's Raid. You know, um, they have a movie, 20 Seconds Over Tokyo. There's an airport high. It's right there. My kid went there. There were kids that had no idea what that was, that monument. How do you go to school next to a monument and not know what that monument is? That these were the people that went and, and flew these missions. And nobody wanted to stop and even read what the monument is. But we have a generation taking down monuments and erasing history. Why? Because we find history scary and offensive rather than embracing it as a dark side. Do you think that, you know, people really, really, really understand history today? They don't understand history. History is written by the victors. We construct history. How many people know what the Western Front is? Or the Eastern Front in World War I or World War II? 
You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. It, it, it boggles my mind. I'm sitting here reading this stuff, you know, on um, about the paratroopers that landed um, in June 6, 1944. And there's pictures. It is just unbelievable. To look at these pictures and to see this. And there's a picture I'm looking at right now that shows the German troops surrendering to U.S. soldiers. It is absolutely amazing. There's a picture I'm looking at with Winston Churchill. Talking to the GIs. We don't teach history in school. And Mr. Biden wants to give a speech today on the remembrance. You know, Mr. Biden, keep it to yourself. Those brave men don't want to hear what you have to say. I guarantee you that. You are not a kind of president they would have followed in any way, shape or form. I just want to close out this by giving you the actual history so you know it. The Normandy invasion took place in the Bay of Sien on the south side of the English Channel between the Cotian Peninsula and the port of La Havre. Some 55 miles broad and 20 deep, its waters were shallow and had a considerable tidal range, and that when the wind blew from the northward, it would be very choppy. The planned landing beaches cut about 45 miles of the Bay shoreline. The westernmost beach was Utah stretching eight miles southward of the low-lying southeastern peninsula of the Cotinian Peninsula. Directly to the east was Omaha, covering 12 miles of generally hilly terrain. United States forces were assigned to take both of those areas with important assistance from the navies of Great Britain and other allies. British and Canadian troops would assault the area called Gold and Juno and Sword, which ran 25 miles eastward of Omaha. The sector ended at the mouth of the Orna River, some 15 miles west of La Havre, where the German Navy based a group of potentially very dangerous torpedo boats. The actual landing occupied a fraction of the width of the actual beach, and the attacking soldiers joined their flanks. Each area was assaulted over and over and over again. 6.30 in the morning, it began. The 101st Airborne Division descended by parachute and glider in the small hours of D-Day, June 6, 1944. They were badly scattered, but the brave paratroopers kept the Germans occupied and helped ensure that Utah Beach assault was relatively easy. The British and the Canadians attacked, assisted by airdrop division on their eastern flank in a long naval bombardment. Not so in Omaha where the deep beaches backed by steep hills meant the U.S. troops landing there were exposed to withering fire from enemy small arms, machine guns, and artillery. Casualties were very high, and the assault only succeeded after a day of brutal fighting and warships coming in close to provide direct gunfire support for the soldiers. 
Operation Overlord was recommended contact between the British and the Canadian institutions. And, um, that is, um, D-Day. June 6, 1944. Go to the National Archives, do some reading, and then reflect on the world we live in today. 160,000 soldiers and sailors and airmen crossed the English Channel that day. Read these documents. Read them. Read about Japan surrendering. Read. Learn. Learn about Auschwitz. Learn about the Holocaust. Because you know what? It can happen today. And you know what? It probably has to repeat itself. Do you understand? January 27, 1945, Soviet forces liberated Auschwitz concentration camp in German-occupied Poland. Russian soldiers discovered thousands of sick and dying and dead prisoners when they entered the complex. Forced labor camps and a killing center that had been abandoned by the Nazis. One German soldier was captured and did not understand what he did wrong. He was following orders. A Russian soldier wrote, I even find myself trying to deny what I'm looking at my own eyes. How could they have allowed these atrocities? Dwight D. Eisenhower writes about it. Read it. Nobody else will remember it if we don't pass it down. I'm close to kidding. God bless everybody.